Good evening, and welcome to the Rust Belt Clansman Show, right here on Spotify. I am your host, Paul Brown, and I am broadcasting from beneath the Fiery Cross on a hillside somewhere in the Rust Belt region of America. Here on the Rust Belt Clansman, I begin with a pro-white commentary piece and follow up with some mainstream media news articles and give you my honest opinion on each one. Let's begin with this evening's commentary. Good evening and welcome to the Rust Belt Clansman Show, right here on White Pride Radio and Spotify. I am your host, Paul Brown, and today is Tuesday, October 24th, 2023, and it is 7 p.m. here in the Rust Belt. This evening's commentary is titled, Beyond Orwell, The High-Tech Lynching of America. Just a few generations ago, most Americans understood that George Orwell's classics, Animal Farm and 1984, were written as a warning about how freedom is lost to the tyranny and intolerance of totalitarianism. Animal Farm and 1984 were particularly apt for teaching young people at a time when the shocking revelation about Soviet communism were coming out in the 1950s and 1960s, were hard to digest. Most important, what these works revealed was that a defining feature of totalitarianism is mind control. First, propaganda warps and destroys people's grasp on reality. Second, propaganda is designed to foster groupthink, conformity, and collectivism which marginalizes critical and independent thinking. Orwell described the scope of the totalitarian enterprise, noting in one section of 1984 that every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book written, every picture has been repainted, every statue and street building has been renamed, and every date has been altered. And the process is continuing day by day, minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless presence in which the party is always right. In 1984, Orwell wrote, Who controls the past controls the future? Orwell's introduction of concepts and terms such as newspeak, double-think, and thought-police are what we now experience as political correctness, misinformation, and cancellation. The analogs of thought-police in 1984 are now the enforcers of political correctness and closed political narratives. As Orwell notes, the whole aim of newspeak and double-think is to narrow the range of thought, 
political correctness has the same goal, and that is why its adherents are so intolerant, seeking to silence, cancel, and delegitimatize people with whom they disagree. As it turns out, social media and information technology have great power to narrow the range of acceptable thought. Google, which controls 90% of Internet searches, utilizes an AI-driven search ranking that can manipulate not only consumer preference, but also election outcomes. According to Robert Epstein, a Harvard Ph.D., who has studied Google for more than a decade, Google's ability to manipulate its search rankings, algorithms, has the power to change the choices of 15% of undecided voters, more than enough to change many recent close election outcomes. The COVID-19 lockdowns and the death of George Floyd in May of 2020 created an environment of fear, and fear of going to the polls gave Democrats, Democrat activists and lawyers the opportunity to change election laws and protocols in key swing states to expand the utilization of mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting, and lengthening vote counting deadlines. These initiatives enabled paid activists to manipulate voter registration and the vote count through fraudulent ballots undertaken to deny Donald Trump a second term. Simultaneously, a full-blown cultural revolution came to America. What has been going on at many college campuses for decades came to cities across the country. With activism that created division, fear, and people turning on each other, it was as if Mayo's Chinese Communist Cultural Revolution 1960s and 70s, had come to America. First came hordes instigated by Antifa and Black Lives Matter smashing windows, looting, and burning down neighborhoods, resulting in the destruction of $2 billion of urban property across America. Then, as if on cue or following a plan, marauding mobs appeared with ropes, seeking to topple historic statues and monuments. Columbus and Confederate Civil War heroes were the first to go. But no one should doubt that the Founding Fathers, the drafters of the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution will be next. No histories, no borders, no country. Future historians may well look back and mark 2020 as the year America's greatest threat began for what happened that year and continued over the two and a half years radically changed the country, effectively depriving American citizens of their First Amendment rights more completely than ever before, resulting in a questionable presidential election and the subsequent foreign invasion across the southern border. In 2020, the main issue for deep state influence and control of American people were the COVID-19 pandemic and the November national election. The CIA, FBI, and DHS, which all had personal had personnel who were hired by such social media companies as Google, Facebook, and Twitter, 
also had information and influence portals to these social media companies. However, directly influencing the election through censorship was perceived to be constitutionally problematic. In June of 2020, the Election Integrity Project was formed by Alex Stamos, who was then a research professor at Stanford University after resigning his role at Facebook as Chief Security Officer in 2018. Stamos' first endeavor at EIP was to meet with Chris Krebs, the head of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency at the Department of Homeland Security to identify what EIP needed to do to influence the upcoming election, particularly regarding censorship, which CISA was reluctant to do. Although Stamos had a staff of some 120 at EIP, keeping up with flagging and censoring the tens of millions of social media posts deemed to have misinformation would be impossible. His solution was for Stanford EIP to undertake preceding all terms of service policies to incorporate language about delegitimization, which would enable mass censorship and cancellation. Within six weeks of getting its operation up and running, EIP succeeded in getting Facebook to change its terms of service to adopt delegitimization. On September 10th, Twitter also incorporated delegitimization into its terms of service. Other social media platforms followed suit. One of the new terms of service that included delegitimization were in place. EIP had a twofold approach to bring all social media companies into compliance to deplatform and cancel discussions like coverage of delegitimized topics. Number one, remind social media firms that there could be consequences from government regulatory agencies if they were not if they were non-compliant with their terms of service. And two, non-compliance with their written terms of service would also likely result in negative PR for the company. There were slight changes to the words and subjects identified for delegitimization before and after the November national election. Mike Benz, executive director of the Foundation for Freedom Online, has itemized a particular summary of prohibited subjects for discussion on social media that would trigger cancellation or deplatforming, new election protocols and processes, issues and outcomes, mail-in ballots, early voting, drop boxes, stop the steal, Sharpie Gate, Poll Watcher, Postal Service, Dead Voter Rolls, and Antifa. And when Hunter Biden's laptop story broke in mid-October, it was it was immediately delegitimized. By EIP's own admission, Twitter was forced to cancel 22 million tweets that contained misinformation that violated the company's terms of service prior to the November 2020 election. After the election, when many Americans felt de de disenfranchised and had many questions about perceived irregularities, they found that social media effectively checked discussion about election fraud 
just as social media had done with COVID-19 policy abnormalities. In many ways, social media has taken the place of the town hall, the marketplace, and traditional media. Whatever the cause, whether government agencies who have direct portals to convey one-sided information to social media, or NGOs like the Election Integrity Project, when they block, cancel, or displatform voices and information, the result is narrowing of range of acceptable thought. This censorship is, of course, a violation of the First Amendment free speech. Worse, it is an assault on the Constitution and a betrayal of government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Oh, Looking for a fight? You'll find it with Canada's premier voice in white nationalism, Mr. Paul Fromm, with his show, The Fighting Side of Me, every day on White Pride Radio, only on AltRightTV.com. I dare you to step into the ring. awesome God he is. Do you attend church? If you don't, you should. But be careful what church you attend, though. Many churches today preach that homosexuality and miscegenation are okay. Are they really? Not according to the Bible, they're not. If you want to hear God's true commands to his chosen people, then listen to the services from the Christian Revival Center in Harrison, Arkansas. Don't live near Harrison? You can still hear them on the Christian Revival Center YouTube channel. Search the Christian Revival Center in Harrison, Arkansas, and it should be right at the top of the list. Tap follow, and you'll be alerted every week when the new sermon is posted. What could be better than hearing God's true words right from the comfort of your own living room? Invite Pastor Rob and his family into your home every week. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for sticking around. Uh, wow, what a commentary, and we all know about being canceled. Uh, I'm sure uh, many of my listeners uh, have been canceled in one way or another. Uh, I know I have been uh, canceled uh, more times than I can count. Uh, and even before 2020, uh, people like myself were being canceled. I, probably until 2020, I was already booted off of... Uh, five or six different places. Now, mind you, uh, some of my earlier shows were, uh, well, they were kind of uh, raw. They were kind of wild. 
And, you know, uh, even back then, uh, those shows, my early shows that I did uh, under different names, I, uh, uh, Clansman's Corner, I uh, had a, a radio show called Clansman's Corner and had a blog. And, you know, uh, what the shows were about then, they lasted for, uh, you know, a, a year or so. And in today's times, they wouldn't have lasted five minutes. Uh, so, you know, uh, we're all being canceled, all of us, uh, and it, it's a shame, you know, uh, we have the First Amendment right to give our opinions, and, uh, you know, like here, uh, one of the shows, that's what I do, uh, I read the news and I give you my opinion, uh, you don't have to agree with me, uh, you know, that's fine if you don't, you know, I may say something that, uh, uh you disagree with, and you, that is your right uh, to disagree with it. Uh, you know, there's no hard feelings. Uh, this is how uh, conversations are made. And one thing, don't ever think that you have reached a limit to being educated. Uh, never think that you know everything uh, because there is, uh, we learn from each other. Uh, you know, I've had um, listeners to the show even uh, email in with things. And uh, I've had people make comments on posts that I put up on uh, VK. And, you know, um, I learn. I learn from that. I, I learn from my listeners. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, all we can do is hang in there uh, because we will prevail. We will win. Uh, you know, this isn't going to uh, keep flying uh, in America. People are getting sick of it, and a lot more people are starting to use their voices. So, you know, that's a good thing. The first article I have for this evening comes from Fox News. And, yeah, Fox News. Uh, a few months ago, I had uh, uh, things up, boycott Fox News. And, uh, you know, I don't like Fox News. But sometimes they'll have, uh, you know, a headline or an article uh, that's really good. Uh, but I don't, I guess you would say, I don't trust uh, Fox News. After they got rid of Tucker Carlson, and, uh, you know, I've, I've heard... Uh, that they support, uh, I don't know if it was uh, Black Lives Matter or a homosexual agenda. And, you know, as soon as the ratings started to get hurt, then they went back to actually reporting uh, semi-true news. Uh, so every now and then when I see an article from Fox News, I will grab it. And this one I found interesting. Uh, the headline is, 65,000 stayed on food stamp rolls despite winning big in lottery, government data shows. So I, I guess apparently uh, people that were winning lotteries, at least 65,000 of them, uh, continued to get food stamps. Now, number one, you would think that the county assistance offices uh, would catch on to this. You know, they have to turn in that income. Uh, but let's see what uh, goes on here. A government watchdog group uncovered that well over 65,000 substantial lottery winners since 2019 continued collecting food stamps, even when they were over the federal income threshold for the program. The Foundation for Government Accountability survey of data from 13 states shows recipients of the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or commonly known as SNAP, took home substantial lottery winnings ranging from $4,250 to $2 million. 
all amounts above the federal asset threshold to qualify for the government assistance program. Now, I know um, uh, a, a lot of my hardworking um, listeners, uh, and I'm sure many of you uh, have encouraged or encountered this. Uh, you know, uh, you're, you're busting your ass seven days a week, some of you, and you're not bringing in much money. So maybe you have a family that you have to feed, and you could use some help to feed that family, especially with uh, the economy the way it is, the food prices and stuff. Uh, if you could use some help, and if you go to the assistance office, you're not going to get it. Uh, they will not give you the, the help that you're asking for if you're 50 cents over the threshold. And uh, here, here, find out people uh, winning lotteries, still collecting food stamps. Uh, it shocks the conscious and defies belief. Hayden Dubois, data and analytics director at FGA, told Fox News Digital. And this is data from only 13 states. The 50-state numbers is likely titanic. The scale of the problem is staggering, even by government standards. During that span of time, fewer than 400 lottery winners were removed from food stamp program, according to FGA. That program has 41.8 million people enrolled, an increase of about 5 million since before the pandemic. Uh, you know, where who who is in charge of you know uh, the, these cases uh, where people uh, won these amount, big amounts of money in the lottery and still get food stamps? And number two, you know, you would have to be a sorry ass scumbag to collect food stamps after you've won a lottery. Uh, you know, now, it's four grand, you should still turn that in, but, uh, you know, four grand isn't going to last you a real long time. So, you know, I could see uh, maybe pocketing that, but, you know, anything over uh, $5,000 should definitely be turned in. I don't know how, uh, and it even said $2 million winners collecting food stamps. How could these people sleep at night knowing uh, that here they are, a million or two million dollars in their pocket in the bank, and they're collecting food stamps? And, you know, uh, we see this often in the wintertime, uh, old people freezing to death because they can't afford fuel, uh, old people eating cans of dog and cat food because they can't afford food, uh, you know. A lot of our elderly and even uh, disabled people have to pick between getting their medicines or eating. They have to get the medicines to, to survive, plus they have to eat to survive. And many people, uh, you know, they'll get their medicines and then belly up to a uh, can of a dog food or cat food for supper. Now, uh, this uh, is uh, straight up, this is just bullshit. Because now we have these third world cockroaches coming across the border, and they are living lavish lives. They they are uh, living in four and five star hotels, people. Room service. They have it made. 
And it, you see stories like this, it just irritates me how some people can take uh, advantage like that and have no compassion whatsoever for their, uh, now I'm going to say white brother and sister, uh, because, you know, as a white, we should be taking care of each other. Not the Zulus and the uh, uh, Ahabs and the Muhammads and uh, whatever in America. You know, to hell with them. I'm talking white America needs to take care of each other. Uh, and, and it shocks me, uh, you know, just how uh, greedy, I guess that's what you would call it, greedy, some people are. Now listen. I'm poor. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm definitely poor. But you know what? If a white brother and sister come up to me and said, uh, "Do you have a couple dollars, uh, you know, uh, that I could get go get a loaf of bread and some lunch meat?" If I didn't have the couple dollars, I would take them to my house and feed them the little bit that I had to eat. Now that's just how I am. Now if I had a couple of dollars to, to you know. Uh, uh, give them for groceries, I most certainly would. But if I don't, they're still going to get a meal uh, out of me. Uh, so uh, it, 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 we all need to be that way. We all need to help each other. If you're white. Uh, you know, not, not these uh, uh, dirt bags coming across the border. And, you know, every time you see the Biden administration giving money for this, the Biden administration is sending money to this country, the Biden administration isn't sending shit. We are taxpayers. The, the government doesn't generate money. The only money the government has is our money. So when they tell you the Biden administration is doing this, just block that out because that's not true. They're not doing shit. We taxpayers are. And I don't know how some people can, you know, uh, sit around and, and be like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, uh, pay for these people. And they don't care. They don't mind. Uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, people that live comfortably. Not Listen, I said I'm poor, but I do live comfortably. Uh, I may not have everything I want, but I do have everything I need. I have everything. God supplies me with everything I need to supply, uh, to survive. So, uh, people that are listening, don't pity me. I, I have everything. Uh, God provides me with everything I need. Not want. Need. Uh, and every now and then, uh, uh, God will throw in there something that I want. But these people, uh, you know, they just sit around and they're okay. You know, they, they come home from work. Crack a beer, they go in, sit in a recliner, watch the news, they see all this stuff that's happening in America, uh, all this money being sent to here, sent to there, uh, uh, to, uh, all this stuff to the immigrants, and if they're living comfortably, they don't give a rat's ass about nobody, not even their neighbor, you know, because they're living uh, comfortably. Uh, and it, that's not right either. I'm sure every person that lives comfortably and has... Uh, money should help someone. Now listen, I'm not saying take someone in and feed them forever or whatever, but if, if you know someone that say maybe needs uh, some fuel to cap off their uh, tanks for this uh, uh, this winter, or you know a family in your town that uh, struggles, 
that would be, uh, you know, uh, uh, thrilled to get a bag or two of groceries, uh, help that person. Help that person. Make sure they're not a leftist, though. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know uh, uh, when I say uh, we whites have to take care of each other, I'm not talking about uh, Antifa and these black, these white uh, uh, Black Lives Matter supporters. I'm not talking about those people. Uh, those are chaff to be burnt later. Uh, you know, uh, but you know we have to help each other. Now I kind of got off the subject there of this uh, with these food stamps, but it's I don't know. Uh, things like this bother me, and maybe it bothers me because uh, I have struggled in life. I've ha I've had times. Uh, in life where I had it all. I had it all. And I've had uh, times in my life where, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it, I've been homeless. Uh, I've lived in tents in the woods, uh, and I've lived in very nice homes. I have had nice cars, and I have had shitty cars. So, you know, I see both ends of the, uh, I've lived both ends uh, of the spectrum, and it bothers me to see how uh, uh, those that don't need the help get it for nothing. People winning the lottery, millions, and collecting food stamps while their neighbor may be starving. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, in its research, FGA concluded that among the 13 states surveyed, Illinois ranked the worst. The land of Lincoln had over 50,000 winners of substantial lottery prizes on food stamps but only removed 99. 55,000 lottery winners, and it says substantial lottery prizes, and only 99 were removed from uh, the food stamp program. Uh, FGI argues that a, a solution to this problem could be adding reforms to the food stamp program in the pending farm bill, a package passed every five years that determines policy and funding levels for agriculture, food assistance programs, and natural resources and other programs. A number of Republican lawmakers in both chambers on Capitol Hill have already introduced measures that would close a loophole in the food stamp program that allows ineligible recipients to stay enrolled. In June, Representative Ben Klein, Republican from Virginia, introduced the No Welfare for the Wealthy Act, which aims to establish uh, asset and income thresholds for Americans to qualify for SNAP. It would end what is known as broad-based categorical eligibility for these programs, which allows Americans whose wealth is higher than the federal guidelines for these programs to still receive food assistance. Uh, even our government, what, what are they... It, it almost seems like our government is trying to kill off elderly. In Canada, uh, I believe that has even been uh, talked about uh, in the Canadian government, if I'm not mistaken, uh, euthanasia for uh, what they called, uh, well, uh, what they consider worthless people. You know, if you're old and you can't work, they think, that, okay, you should be euthanized. If you're young and you're disabled, I guess, they think you should be euthanized. Uh, but in America, 
I think the same thing is going on, but it's it's different. Our government hides everything that they do. You know, they don't just make one step. They make two or three steps to each thing uh, that they want to screw us over with, thinking, you know, that nobody will notice. Uh, another one, uh, another good uh, ploy that our government uses. Hey, look, Bigfoot. Uh, hey, look, flying saucers. And you know, while everybody's looking at the sky, looking for uh, kazoo, all these uh, uh, illegal bastards are, are, are charging across the border. You know, uh, it, it, it's unreal. It's unreal. And you, we're living in uh, George Orwell's 1984. We're living it. Uh, Senator Tony Ernst, a Republican from Iowa, introduced a similar bill in September, the Snap Back Inaccurate Snap Payments Act. She says could reduce spending by nearly $1 billion a month by requiring all errors, regardless of the amount, to be counted and directing state governments to stop giving out ineligible benefits or they will have to eat some of the costs. Families across the country are going hungry, while bureaucrats are jumping in line to gobble up SNAP dollars, either as a meal ticket to beef up state budgets, or a self-serve buffet of benefits for themselves or others who do not qualify, Ernst said in September. It's time for states at fault to pay a piper and to eat the cost of their taxpayer waste, instead of over-serving over bureaucrats. Let's end the waste and set a place at the table for hungry families. Absolutely. You know, uh, speaking here of food stamps, uh, there all kinds of uh, uh, public welfare are being abused. All kinds. Uh, we have illegals here collecting stuff that they're not entitled to. They're not citizens. Uh, you see, uh, 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 illegals are going to sue this, or they're going to sue that. They can't sue anybody. They're, they, they don't, they're not uh, under our Constitution. They have no rights here. None. Zero. But they're given the right to drive, uh, uh, work permits. And don't you think it's funny? Think about this, folks. Uh, uh, when the pandemic started and everything was shut down, people were being paid to stay home and sit on their ass. People got lazy. The government said, here, we'll, we'll keep you. We'll feed you. So, you know, when the, the uh, Chinese flu has started to uh, blow away, you know, just like any other flu, seasonal flu, uh, guess what? Nobody wanted to go back to work because they had it made. Now, we're being flooded with these illegals that uh, will work. Some of them will work. So, you know, now when Whitey decides, well, you know, uh, uh, I better get to work. I, I'm not really enjoying the life I'm living anymore. Uh, you know, it was okay sitting around for a couple of years uh, living off of Uncle Sam, which, you know, living off their own uh, tax dollars. I better go get a job. And guess what? When Whitey goes to get a job, there ain't going to be any. There ain't going to be any. All these uh, foreigners that can't even speak English are going to be in the jobs. Now, uh, think about that. Do you think that was uh, intentional? Do you think that was the plan? This is what I mean by uh, our government works in steps. Works in steps to take control of us. The pandemic 
and the closing down of businesses was only step one. Now we're seeing step two, the illegals coming over. Now we're seeing step three, they can get work permits and work. They can take our jobs. Uh, you know, white replacement. Don't forget what right, white replacement actually is. White replacement is white genocide, and that's what we're seeing today. Uh, while I'm on the uh, uh, the welfare kick and people taking advantage of the welfare system, uh, let's talk about housing in America. We have uh, veterans living on the streets. Get, get this. We have veterans living on the streets in cardboard boxes, and we have these third world scumbags, cockroaches, living in four and five star hotels. They're making room in schools to house these uh uh, third world deplorables. Why didn't they do that for, and why don't they do that for veterans? Or, you know, homeless people that lost everything. And I'm I'm not talking about junkies. Uh, you know, I have uh, seen too many people, you know, uh, they're junkies. They'll go to jail. They can be in jail for a year. So you know that they're not, uh, you know, withdrawing still. And they can get out of jail after being there for a year with no drugs and right back to it. You know, people like that I don't pity. You know, if you're a junkie and you're homeless, you, you put yourself there. Uh, ask for help. There is help available. You just have to ask for it. You, you have to want it. Uh, and the, another thing, do you think that our government, uh, uh, you know, we used to hear about the war on drugs. Do you think there's still a war on drugs in America? If you do, you're foolish. Uh, you know, uh, not too long ago, several months ago, uh, Joe, Joe Biden was putting uh, kiosk machines in the streets where junkies could get needles and uh, all kinds of drug paraphernalia. Now, do you think that's a war on drugs? Giving them the tools they need to get high? Of course not. Uh, back to the housing. Uh, you know, these projects across America, you go by and, and, and they are total, um, they look like they've been bombed out, uh, total uh, shitholes. And all you see is non-whites in these uh, projects. Government housing was first built and intended for uh, white working class people. Now, non-whites too, but not your... Um, uh, deplorable non-whites. Uh, the very few that were uh, what somebody might consider decent people. But it was mostly for white people. We know white people in America. We know white people across the world are the ones that take care of these uh, non-whites. They wouldn't make it on their own. That's why all these non-white countries are shitholes. Uh, you know, I don't have to say any more to prove that. But anyhow, these projects, they were built for uh, uh, Whitey, you know, out maybe working two or three jobs, making minimum wage to try to survive, and then, you know, uh, have to live uh, like a pauper, uh, you know, in, in, in not so very nice housing. So these projects were built, so the government said, they were built for those type of people that were making low wages, white people making low wages, that they would have a nice home to go to, uh, you know, after work to kick back, a nice, clean place to live. Now, these projects, they're far from that. It's not safe for white people to even step foot 
on the projects in America. And look how they were appreciated by the blacks, mostly blacks. Uh, look how they were appreciated. I mean, they're destroyed. Totally destroyed. Uh, and you know, these blacks and other non-whites, they can go to these uh, projects, claim no income. So, you know, they're paying a couple of dollars a month in rent, but you're selling drugs and making sometimes tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And they don't have to turn that income in. That's drug money. So, you know, they're, that's another thing. we got veterans in the streets with no place to go. And we have these non-whites in the government projects bleeding the system dry. They're taking up space for uh, where a good white citizen should be able to live in comfort and peace. There should not be one veteran in America today that's living on the streets. Not one. That's another thing that really irritates me uh, with these projects. And, and, you know, projects are everywhere. I live in a rural area, uh, but there is projects. And guess what? They're all the same. They're all the same. They're no more than trap houses, drug houses, uh, where uh, white people aren't safe. Now, listen, uh, the area I'm in, and it, it's a small rural area, uh, but there's a pizza hut. And there's also a project within uh, the area I live. And now in a rural area, there was different buildings. And one uh, building three, Fox's Pizza wouldn't even deliver a pizza there. They made the people that lived in building three go out to the car to pick up their food in that one building. Now, you know, uh, that blows my mind. When I found that out, that blew my mind. You know, uh, in, a, in a small rural area like this. Um, but, you know, it doesn't take uh, too many non-whites. Two or three, actually. And you're going to start seeing problems uh, in your neighborhoods. And I'm sure uh, many of my listeners here uh, see that or are experiencing that. But that's enough of ranting uh, about people taking advantage of the welfare system. Listen, if you're down on your luck and you need help, there's nothing at all wrong with uh, receiving help. But, you know, there's a point uh, to where that help needs to stop. Uh, you know, uh, with that help, they should uh, recipients should be given uh, some kind of education on, you know, writing resumes and uh, things like that, how to finance uh, their money, even if, you know, if it's only a little bit, uh, uh, help getting jobs and things like that. And, you know, uh, an actual person that needs the help would be more than happy to do that. And, you know, if it's people that are stuck in uh, low-paying jobs and have a family and uh, we got the Bidenomics going on where you can hardly uh, afford to feed yourself, and you're working and you need help, you should get help, no questions asked. None. You should get help. If you're white, working, and uh, not making it, and have children, you should get help and uh, no questions asked. That's my opinion. But we see in America, it's the people that uh, take advantage of the system, really, that, that, that get the stuff. You know, who would think... Uh, uh, 
in a country like America that we have old people eating dog food. We have old people freezing to death in their own homes. That is, uh, uh, that's sad. That's sad. Let's move on to the next article. I'm just going to get down the list here. Now, get this. This comes from the Washington Examiner. And, you know, I'm so sick of seeing our articles. Uh, about things like this, you know, everything today in America is racist. If you're white, you know, uh, uh, you could be white, mind your own business in your own home, go to work, go back to your home, not bother anybody, not talk to the neighbors, not have any friends, and you're uh, considered still a racist. Now, get this headline. Los Angeles birds are racist. Apparently. Yes, birds. Flying birds in the sky? Racist. Uh, let's see what kind of nonsense this is. Uh, left-wing media will do whatever is possible they can possibly do to find racism in anything. If a news story can provide some negative viewpoint, the left will try to find a new way to tie it in with racism. The Los Angeles Times proved this point last week by claiming that the presence of birds in specific neighborhoods was essentially due to systemic racism. Uh, We've we got to get into some more of this. Uh, yes, the publication that said Larry Elder was the black face of white supremacy now has the audacity to claim that birds are willing com uh, accomplices of systemic racism because of where they fly. And naturally, it is white people's fault for this happening. The premise of this silly article was that different birds fly in different neighborhoods and certain creatures take residence in only wealthy white areas. Maybe that's because... Uh, 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 maybe in the black areas they're eating that welfare chicken, uh, them pigeons. Uh, it, it was, the researchers said, a vivid illustration of the so-called luxury effect, the phenomenon by which wealthier and typically whiter areas attract a larger and more diverse population of birds. The Los Angeles Times article read, in fact, when it comes to the Los Angeles Basin, the researchers say that bird species are remarkably segregated. You know, I, that I find interesting because guess what? All animals are pretty much segregated. You know, you don't see deer running together with moose. Uh, uh, you don't see... Um, Bears running with deer, raccoons running with chipmunks or squirrels. You don't see that. And it's a proven fact that every race would rather be around its own race, its own people, because you have more in common. But I find that funny that they call that birds being segregated. All animals are segregated. Uh, for instance, say you live on a farm and you have a field and you have horses in that field. And say you have uh, dairy cows in another field. 
You don't put the horses in with the dairy cows. Do you think actually that those horses are looking at the dairy cows and thinking they're racist? Or vice versa, the dairy cows looking at the horses thinking they're racist? No. They you know, they each have their area and they live in that peaceably. Peaceably. And the uh, uh kicker to this is you know how they live peaceably? Because there's a fence around them. Imagine that. Imagine that. That would be like saying, uh, you know, giving blacks two or three states to live in and fence it in. Fence it in. Fend for yourself. You want a grocery store? Build it. You want to try uh, educating your, your dumb ass? Do it yourself. Government uh, council and, and, and things like that? Do it yourself. And you know what would happen? This is what I mean, how Whitey takes care. White people across the world take care of the non-whites. You know what would happen if you had a couple of states penned in? And I use that word penned in because we are talking beasts of the field here. Uh, but uh, uh, penned in like that. You know what would happen? They would kill each other off. Pretty soon we wouldn't even have to worry about them. They would kill each other. Imagine that. Yeah, you know, I said that with the defund the police. When that uh, went through uh, after George Floyd overdosed under the knee of a white police officer. And, you know, every place was defunding uh, police. And I said, you know, uh, this is liable to backfire. Because all the criminal blacks were uh, wanted. The police departments funded. And this is just how low IQ and how stupid they are. Did they think Whitey was just going to lay down and let them uh, run the country? And we're seeing today white people, uh, I just saw an article earlier today uh, in Philadelphia where the stores are giving up on the cops. They're hiring their own private security uh, for in and outside the stores. So, you know, uh, people that uh, were all for to fund the police, guess what? And I said this, they're going to find out that when Whitey lays down the wall, it's going to be harsher than what it was when there were police officers. Because police officers actually saved the asses of many blacks. Many blacks. But just to be able to get that free shit, they wanted the police to fund it. So, you know, I find that uh, uh, pretty remarkable, too. Uh, back to this article, the pub publication uses a study that links bird populations with remarkably racist home lending practices from decades ago, as well as modern health disparities. The Los Angeles Times cited mortgage policies from the 1930s that were used to determine mortgage lending risks. The poorer areas and those with higher financial risk were mainly non-white, while the wealthy neighborhoods were all white. The more affluent areas often had more bird biodiversity, according to the Los Angeles Times. My God, who with the Los Angeles Times had time to set and, and write something like this? You know, do, do these leftists actually think that this makes them look intelligent? Seriously. This, this reads like something a retard would write. 
Uh, and, you know, maybe the, the birds go to white areas. Maybe the white people put bird feeders out. Uh, maybe the black areas can't put bird feeders out because they get stolen. You know, the birds know where the food is. And I look at it like this, too. You know, maybe the whites do live in uh, wealthier, uh, whiter neighborhoods. But guess what? The blacks wouldn't even have the ghettos to live in if it wasn't for whitey. They would still be in mud huts, drinking out of uh, mud puddles in Africa. So, you know, uh, this whole idea of, you know, this is my white Christian country. And we have shared the fruits of our baskets that God has blessed us with, with the non-whites. To the point now that they want to be us. Number one, you're too stupid. You're not going to uh, make inferior people as intelligent as superior people. And that's not racist to say at all. The Bible said, listen, there was all kinds of people, but God's chosen people were his favorites. Uh, the Jews want you to believe that the Bible was talking about them like the Israelites were Jews. They were not. They weren't Jews. They were white people. White people. And I've been saying this lately, too. You know, uh, blacks say, well, we were here first. Yes, you were, but not as humans. It, it, it's almost, um, uh, because, okay, they want to say, we were kangs and shit. Well, when God created the Garden of Eden, he had to make white people to take care of it because there was nothing else on earth that was fit to do it. And it's still that way today. It's still that way today. Uh, Non-white people uh, aren't fit to take care of anything because they can't even take care of themselves. Uh, you know, they ride the shirt tails of white people and, you know, uh, out of the goodness of our hearts, we have tried to help these people. And they want to turn around and kick you in the nuts. You know, look at these black people that claim uh, racism. Look at the phones in their hands. The Timberland boots on their feet. The nice clothing. They wouldn't have any of that if it wasn't for white people. You know, uh, black, uh, 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 non-white uh, cell phones would consist of two soup cans with a string between it. So, you know, this whole idea of racism. Would you go to Africa and call the African people racist because they didn't kiss your ass as a white person? Do you think as a white person you could go to Africa and uh, expect the uh, uh, African government and the African people to cater to you as a white because you somehow have your feelings hurt? Because they're not treating you the same? Do you treat... Okay, if you have a house and a wife and a kids and you have neighbors, and if you're a man, do you go over and, and, and treat the, the neighbor's wife and uh, their kids uh, like your own? Of course not. Well, there might be uh, some guys out there that maybe go over jump over the fence to the neighbor wife. But I mean, uh, uh, seriously, uh, you treat your own better than you treat anybody else, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And uh, let's see, let's finish this article out. Uh, granted, poor white people were also considered high risk by banks and mortgage companies, but this reality doesn't fit the left-wing narrative. 
Instead, the focus is that racist birds are everywhere. It's avian systemic racism at its finest, folks. It's the latest thing the overly educated white guilt crowd is using to hypothesize claims of the racist origins of the country. I wouldn't be shocked to see a 1619 Project avian edition soon emerge to, to really chronicle the bigoted and discriminatory practices of birds nationwide. Uh, but, like all fringes aspects of society, no one should take these race-obsessed people seriously. Unbelievable. Where do people come up with this? Now, whoever wrote that for New York Times, or Los Angeles Times, actually thinks that they come up with something smart. When in reality, it shows you exactly how stupid they are. How far they will go pushing this uh, race thing. This is a white Christian country. That means white Christians should be here taking care of themselves. But we don't. We don't. That's uh, probably one of the biggest faults of white people, our compassion. Compassion's a good thing. But white people have compassion for the wrong people. They pity the uh, inferior races. Instead of helping their own, you know, you, you could have uh, some people now, uh, you could have a black homeless person and a white veteran sitting on the street uh, with a sign trying to get a meal, and there are those white people that would give it to the minority before they would the veteran. Unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> this next one, this has nothing to do uh, whatsoever <clears throat> with um, any type of uh, political news. I found this just to be straight up uh, creepy. Uh, this article comes from Unilad.com. The headline is, Gravestone claims to belong to a victim of the beast, 666. And this is what is on this gravestone. Uh, Lily E. Gray, uh, June of 1881 to November of 1958. And then uh, right below that, Victim of the Beast, 666. Imagine walking through, and you know, I enjoy that sometimes, uh, if I find an old cemetery or uh, something, uh, you know, that it looks interesting, some of the stones and stuff look interesting. Uh, I'll go in and, you know, walk around the cemetery and, uh, you know, look, look at the headstones and, and just, you know, how peaceful uh, and stuff it is. Could you imagine walking up on that gravestone, Victim of the Beast? 666? Uh, I would leave. I, I would definitely uh, gather my belongings and leave. Um, the article here, that's not how you want to go, is it? Located in Salt Lake City Cemetery, the gravestone belongs to a woman named Lily E. Gray, who was born in 1881. 
She lived until her 70s before passing away in 1958, after which a gravestone was created to mark her place of rest. A pretty normal procedure when someone dies, right? But Lily Gray's gravestone is definitely not normal. Rather than hearing a fond words about the woman Lily was, telling visitors whether she was a mother, a friend, or a wife, the gravestone instead appears to feature a chilling detail about how Lily met her end. Under her birth and death dates, the gravestone reads, Victim of the Beast. Combined with the reference to the beast, whose well-known number quickly creates the impression that Lily was somehow killed by the devil. The stone doesn't offer any further information, leaving visitors to the grave wondering, was Lily possessed by the devil himself? Was she somehow pulled into the depths of hell? Like many visitors to the grave over the years, we're desperate to know the truth. Unilag reached out to the Utah Historical Society to try and get some information about the grave and found that Lily was married to a man named Elmer L. Gray, who had been sentenced to spend time in Utah State Prison for burglary of the second degree. Mike Ellerbach, the owner of the Salt Lake Monument Company, which made the gravestone, has previously told Fox 13 News it was Elmer who ordered the inspiration uh, of the inscription for Lily. Records show that Elmer submitted an application for termination uh, of parole from the Board of Pardons while he was behind bars, and it was in that document that he made a curious claim about what happened to his wife. When filling out a box about the address, address of his parents, Elmer wrote, Both dead. Died of grief when kidnappers murdered my wife. The claim doesn't mention the devil, but could the inscription on the gravestone suggest Elmer was branding these alleged kidnappers as the beast? Well, here's the thing. Well, here's where things get even more, more curious. Unilad obtained a death certificate for Lily, and in that document it indicated that she died of natural causes, more specifically pulmonary embolus which likely refers to what we know today as pulmonary embolism. As Lily died from a blood clot in her lungs, then why would Elmer claim she was a victim of the beast? Ellerbrook presented one theory as he claims Elmer believed the government was the beast. In his application to the Board of Pardons, Elmer claimed he himself was a victim of Democrat kidnappers and their friends whom were holding him kidnapped. So could Elmer have believed Lily's death was somehow the government's fault? Unfortunately, that's a question we, are, we may never be able to answer, but the notion that the beast is a political nickname is definitely preferable to the idea that the devil himself is wandering around out there, choosing humans to become the next victim of the beast. 666. We know our government's satanic. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't read this article before, and, you know, what uh, uh, this uh, lady, this Lily Gray's husband said kind of fits. You know, uh, our government, uh, because of government uh, things or, uh, uh, you know, whatever, it probably was something that led up maybe uh, to this 
uh, lady's demise. Now, it said she died of uh, blood clots in her lungs. Uh, maybe uh, she went for uh, help and uh, told they, they wouldn't help her or, you know, whatever it was. Uh, apparently, her husband uh, knew the government pretty well. And this, this was back in 1958. And look today. You don't have to wonder if our government's satanic. Uh, it shows. This next article, and I find this funny. I would, I would have loved to have been uh, there to see the look on her face. This comes from the Daily Caller. The headline is, You are a bartender. Twitter users dunk on AOC as she suggests representative lacks experience for the speaker bid. Now, this is from October 20th. A Democratic New York representative, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, took a swipe at Republicans, only for it to backfire on her Friday evening. Uh, she said, these people are not serious, uh, uh, Cortez said on Twitter, criticizing Republican Florida Representative Byron Donald's newly announced speakership bid. Ocasio-Cortez slammed Donald, saying he only served one full term in the House. His most recent work involving submitting falsified evidence and an impeachment investigation. The Congresswoman's apparent attempt to question Donald's qualifications soon backfired as users began questioning her. Uh, one said, you believe in the Green New Deal, which is a fantasy and not even possible, one user replied. While another slammed Cortez as the definition of not serious. Uh, uh, the, then the, the person said, you realize you were a bartender before becoming a congresswoman, lawyer Viva Free said. You fake cried for a photo in, in a parking lot. You might want to sit out any serious talk, another commented. Uh, users even took Cortez's post as a rallying call for Donald's uh, and the GOP, if AOC is afraid of him, good sign, one user said. While another wrote, we make you nervous, don't we? Good. Uh, so here you have Cortez knocking somebody else's intelligence. Or telling somebody they're not qualified for something. And, you know, I said this before. How in the world does a bartender become a congresswoman? And not just a bartender. Let's not forget. Uh... Uh, uh, Cortez, uh, also a dancer. Now, I'm sure uh, not an exotic dancer. I mean, look at her. But still, a dancing, barca uh, dancing bartender becomes a congresswoman, and then the dancing bartender wants to knock somebody's qualifications for a government position? Get real. Oh, let's see... What else I have here? I'll do one more article this evening. And here's, uh, I talked a little bit earlier uh, about what happened to the uh, war on drugs. Now, yeah, we still hear that uh, uh, every now and then, the war on drugs, but not very often. And our own uh, president, uh, Numb Nuts Joe puts out kiosk machines 
for drug users uh, to get their paraphernalia. So, uh, get this. This is scary here. Uh, NBC7news.com is the news source. Uh, and the headline is, Convicted Child Molester Displaying Free Fentanyl Sign Across San Francisco School Arrested Then Released. Yeah. Uh, the article here, we have a striking example of the San Francisco Police Department's return to their pre-pandemic policy on dealing with the city's unhoused population. They are now enforcing lower-level laws against camping on public sidewalks. A homeless, convicted sex offender living next to a Catholic grade school got arrested on Friday. The I-team, Nan Noyes, arrived just as the police gave 46-year-old Adam Moore one last chance to move from the sidewalk where he had lived for more than two years across from Stella Maris K-8 and uh, Richmond in the Richmond district. So this Chet lived in a tent for two years across from a grade school. You can't you got you can't be serious. Uh, then uh, Adam Moore says he want me to uh, go away. That's it. They were very clear about that. Uh, Dan Noya said they want you to go where? Moore said, they said, wherever I go, they're going to do the same thing. They say I can't have stuff on the sidewalk. No kidding. No, no, no shit, Chet. Uh, police had several contacts with Moore over the past months. Even knew he was convicted, knew he was a convicted sex offender. But he didn't have an order to keep away from schools as part of his case. What the hell? How did... How do you be, become a convicted chet, a pedophile, and don't have a, a, a block to be around children? Unbelievable. Uh, but police focused on more after he posted a sign offering free fentanyl for new users. He told ABC 7, Stan Noyes, on Thursday that he, is, he was serious. Uh, Noyes said, were you giving away fentanyl? Was that just a joke? Moore said, no, it's not a joke. We watched Thursday as police offered him housing. Moore refused, saying, I will never voluntarily incarcerate myself. Um, and we were there one day later when the police cited Moore for a misdemeanor, PC-370, creating a public nuisance. Moore said, I did everything you told me to do. Uh, San Francisco PD Lieutenant Wayman Young said, no, sir, I asked you to abate the situation, the nuisance. You haven't. Moore was arrested on a probation violation. He had to obey all laws after violating a stay-away order obtained by Station 31 firefighters to keep Moore from camping next to their entrance. Sergeant Eric Mahoney said, is this trash over here? Moore said, no, that's my belongings. Mahoney said, it's belongings. Do you want everything bagged and tagged? Uh, Captain Chris Canning from the San Francisco Police Department's Richmond Station tells us the department is re returning to pre-pandemic policies on the unhoused population, enforcing ba basic laws such as no camping on a sidewalk. 
We want to give them the help that they need to get their life in a better place, Captain Canning said. And for those who are defying that help and are choosing to live on the streets, then we're going to use all the enforcement options available to us now that we have an understanding that designation between voluntary, voluntarily homeless and involuntary homeless. Late Friday, we learned that during the uh, ride, Moore had a medical complaint and went to the hospital. Then, police decided to delay pursuing the probation violation. He was out of custody Friday night. Unbelievable. A chat. A chat. Living in a tent across the street for two years uh, from a grade school. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What, what is this country coming to? Seriously. Now, I am going to close out this uh, Tuesday evening show. I will be back here on October 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern with a new The Rust Belt Klansman show. Uh, so two evenings from now. Uh, look up the show page on True Social. Uh, you can go uh, just type in truesocial.com. And that will take you to the page. It used to be in the Google Play Store, but I see it's removed now. But you can still get that. Uh, uh, just type in truesocial.com on your browser, and it will take you to the page where you can open uh, an account there. Uh, and then look up the Rust Belt Clansman Show and tap follow. That's where you'll find out um, uh, if there's a show, if the show's been canceled, uh, if it's going to be only on one platform and not another. Uh, on both platforms, uh, and also there are press releases there from the Knights Party of the Ku Klux Klan, um, sermons from the Christian Revival Center in Harrison, Arkansas. So there is a wealth of things uh, on the show page. Uh, so do that. Uh, uh, to, on your browser, type in truesocial.com. Uh, start up, I think all you need is an email address, I believe. Uh, and then uh, search for the Rust Belt Klansman Show and tap follow. Uh, also, the live show, The Underground, uh, I had mentioned, uh, I think it was last Thursday, that I have to schedule uh, another live show here uh, soon. Uh, I'm shooting for probably the first week of uh, November for a live show. So and that also you'll find out uh, on uh, the Rust Belt Klansman show page on True Social when the next live show will be. So uh, check it out. If you have any thoughts, ideas, suggestions, you like the show, you hate the show, uh, you can email those straight to the Rust Belt Klansman at heyrustbeltklansman at mail.com. Uh, very easy. It's all lowercase letters, heyrustbeltklansman at mail.com. You can also call into the show at area code 412-254-6226. There you can leave a voice or a text message, uh, either one. Uh, so there's ways to uh, reach the show. Uh, please utilize those. And as always, we are going to close out this evening's show in prayer. Uh, so here we go, Murph. And uh, Murph, I hope you're doing okay. I haven't heard from you uh uh, for a while. Uh, if you're doing okay, uh, uh, shoot me a message here to the show and uh, uh, let me know. I know you said uh, earlier you were really busy. 
you were still listening to the show. And uh, I try to keep up when I don't see uh, loyal listeners uh, for a while. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll mention that on the show. Uh, so, uh, Murph, uh, just shoot me a text and uh, let me know that you're all right, that you're doing okay. My white brothers and sisters, please bow your heads. O oh Lord, I stand in awe of your magnificence and grace. What wisdom do I have to offer in your sight? Teach me your ways, my God, and I will listen to them. I desire to have a heart that values instruction and learning, a heart that will receive a righteous rebuke and wise advice. Help me to be someone who listens to others well, and not simply one who speaks without being correctable. Thank you for your word that is good for instruction in righteousness. Fill me with understanding by your word and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there it says to uh, not just speak, but um, be open uh, to be corrected. Uh, I kind of mentioned that. Uh, I didn't say corrected, but I mentioned, um, uh, you know, everybody has views. Uh, I may talk about things on the show, and I give my opinion, and they may not be your opinion, and you have your own, and, you know, that's fine. And uh, we all have our own thoughts, is what I'm saying. Uh, you don't have to agree with everything I say. Uh, you know, it, it won't hurt my feelings. Uh, you know, I'm not beyond being educated, and I'm not uh, beyond being corrected. Uh, I certainly don't know it all. I don't know everything. Uh, so, you know, uh, I myself uh, am learning every day. Uh, so we should never fear being educated or even corrected. Uh, because, you know, if we are making a mistake, uh, you sure don't want to keep living uh, mistakes or, you know, uh, uh, having the wrong idea about something. So uh, be open uh, to be educated. Uh, like I said, I'll be back here in two evenings from now, uh, Thursday, October 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so if you enjoyed this show, uh, tune in uh, two nights from now, Thursday, October 26th at 7 p.m. for a new The Rust Belt Klansman show. Uh, my loyal listeners, uh, maybe pe uh, new people, uh, maybe just listening to the show, God bless you. Uh, take care and stay safe. As always, from the Rust Belt Klansman Show, myself, Paul Brown, WHITE POWER!